Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. The Crime Couch is proudly sponsored by Bank Vic. Lillian Irwin was an inspector in Victoria Police for 24 years. Lil, as she's affectionately known, led the way for women in the police force. When she joined in 1961, Lil was only one of four women in her squad. Lil was also nicknamed the Queen of Fitzroy and Legs 11 and was the only female inspector when she was promoted in 1977. Now, this was at a time when policewomen thought they'd be lucky to get to the rank of Sergeant. Lil had a stellar career, starting at Russell Street Police Headquarters before being posted to Fitzroy, St Kilda, Morwell, Dandenong and Geelong. She retired at 58 years of age. It's a real pleasure to welcome to the Crime Couch Lil Irwin, registered number 13868. Welcome to the Crime Couch, Lil. Thank you. Tell me, why did you become a police officer? I just thought it would be interesting, so I asked the policeman if he thought I'd enjoy the police force. He said, yeah, I reckon you might. <laughs> and uh, from there on in, was sort of, I just enjoyed it. I, I just went along with things as, as they happened, and that was it. In your initial police training, what did you learn about your eyesight? because there was something that happened and you got to know about it, didn't you? My father had 20-20 vision and he was picked for being a sniper in the First World War. Um, he spent a few years, quite a few years there. And um, he eventually just became, it was just, his, his brother was, one brother was almost a twin. They looked alike and everything, but uh, the the brother took the uh, it got mixed up and and uh, you know took the the blame for things that he didn't do, oh. and didn't take the blame for things he did do. <laughs> <laughs> when you joined, you joined as a policewoman in 1961. How were police women perceived in the job at that time, Lil? Oh, they were just um, interesting. That's about the lot. Were were policewomen discriminated in those days? Do you you know? Did you feel? Did you feel there was a lot of discrimination? We always uh, given the city jobs, um, we weren't allowed to to use force, but we still snuck it in in times. And in fact. Um, uh, I think it might be uh, Mick Gatto. I used to grab by the ear and tell him to do something, and if he didn't do it, I'd dig my thumbnail in. <laughs> that hurt and woke up. <laughs> You've 
had quite an, an experience working in the job. You were posted to Morwell Police Station. Now, do you remember what happened when the new Chief Commissioner paid a visit? Remember what happened? Oh, yes. He, he was... I had my new uniform, a new uniform, and I thought, I'd better wear this so I wore a good uniform and threw a beautiful salute to the Chief and the button popped up the top of my uniform and rattled <laughs> down the concrete and the Mayor of Moor Mor- Mor- chased it and brought it back and put it in my hands in front of the fellow who'd just been promoted. How did that go down? He went home and had nervous breakdown. <laughs> And I believe you were you got stirred about that and they said it was because of you that they had the breakdown. Yes, it was all my fault. <laughs> Unbelievable. Look, Lil, you were at Geelong when you encountered that colourful identity uh, who was, uh, I think you were dealing with some underage young girls that oh. were causing trouble. So Mick tell me Gatto, what happened. Who, who did you uh, deal with? Mick Gatto was the main one. And he was on his own, but he was trying to win the girls and he was showing off and kept answering my questions instead of letting the girls do it. And I said, for heaven, say, come over here. And I took him over to his table. I sat him down and I said, you sit there and you keep your mouth shut. I don't want to be interrupted by you or anyone else. And uh, he just looked at me. I said, if... I hear one more question from you. I'm going to hang you on the, that um, hat rack by the door. <laughs> by and the, this was Mick Gatto. Earring. By your what earring? By your puffy earring. So, Lil, how did Mick Gatto? How did Mick Gatto deal with that? He's a policewoman. Well, he was still looking at me. I had his mouth hanging open and just looking. He was still sitting there when I left the hotel and I walked out the hotel and <laughs> said, I'm going now. It's all right. That took a lot of courage, though, dealing with Mick Gatto. Oh, I didn't, it didn't worry me. I didn't know him. <laughs> it didn't worry me at all. I was quite happy to tell him off and, you know, tell him to mind his own business. And I had dealt with him. I didn't realise it was a child. And stuck the fingernails into the ear and said, go on, do, do what your mother told you. So you dealt with him as a 12-year-old boy, I think, didn't you, at some yes, stage? Yes. He was about 17 when I finally dealt with him and when he was trying to pick up the girls. And, of course, they were all giggles. That's all they were interested in. Bank Vic was founded by police in 1974 to help members get a better deal on banking. Things are better today, but Bank Vic's purpose is the same. To serve the police better than the other banks with great rates and personal service. With a branch inside Victoria Police Centre and mobile lenders visiting stations or available by appointment, they're available where and when it suits you. Bank Vic get police because they've been helping them with their banking for nearly 50 years. To find out more, go to bankvic.com.au slash thecrimecouch. 
Bankvic is the trading name of Police Financial Services Limited, ABN 3308765161. So tell me, what was your favourite posting, Lil, and, and why? St Kilda, because it was a good, busy station and we had a lot of fun there and uh, they, were, they were quite good. But uh, we were so busy... I'd just take a girl with me and go out and do a patrol down as far as Paran. They'd have to walk down there and walk back again. And I'd tell them who was what and who worked where and who you could talk to properly and who you had to be a bit careful with. And uh, well, my uh, godmother was uh, the mayor of, mayoress of Paran. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. And uh, she'd have been proud of me, I'm quite sure. Tell me, Lil, how did you get your nicknames, the Queen of of, uh, Fitzroy and Legs Eleven? How did you get those? I I used to uh, talk to the girls, the Aboriginal girls, I knew knew them all because living in Warrigal, we had an Aboriginal camp in one part of um, Druin. Uh, we used to, I used to say to them, uh, you, you, you've got, you're going to get a name for this. And they said, well, uh, one girl said to me, where have you been? I'd just come back f- from holidays. And said, where? she said, where have you been? I haven't seen you. How are you, love? I haven't seen you for ages. And I said, oh, I've been around, and the policeman who was dealing with her looked at her and said, well, that's the first time I've heard you call a police member by a four-letter word that we can't judge with. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, he said, how come? She said, oh, she's a lady, of course. What a fantastic um, acknowledgement, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get the nickname Legs Eleven, Lil? Oh, that was from Warrigal. The fellows outside uh, one business in Warrigal used to gather outside to see me go past. And I always... They, they used to whistle and carry on. And I was just called Legs Eleven, that was it. (laughs) Now, how did you get involved in the Crawford Productions? At one stage you were involved in Homicide and Division 4. Tell me about that. I was in Homicide and um, Division 4. And I was quite interested in that. It was very good. I quite enjoyed it. And we had to just do as we were told and you know naturally you couldn't put any extra words in and had to do them properly and so you couldn't improvise and put in your own words no no we had to put proper words in were you acting as being a police member Yes, I was acting as a boy and was showing, uh, putting, doing the hand motions, stopping the traffic and mm-hmm. waving us on and uh, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't tell them what we really thought about. 
The interesting thing in doing my research about you, I learned that you never carried a firearm, a baton or handcuffs as a street cop. How on earth did you make arrests, Lil? It just grabbed them, but it was all. The, um, we, we didn't make that many arrests, but when we did, we made the arrest. And they knew it. And uh, I, I, well, actually, when I first joined, my first, very first night shift, I was working with Lorna Newton and Olive Phillips two of the older policewomen, and um, they, Lorna, who was driving the car, said, get her, and I have a look, and there's a woman under a light. So I got her, but when I got her under the light properly, it was my auntie. Oh. <laughs> You'd actually arrested your own I auntie? I arrested my own auntie, and it was the joke of the family that I'd do that. <laughs> And uh, there was no, uh, no one was upset about it, but she deserved it and that was it. She was just standing there under the, under the light trying to get customers. So you arrested your own auntie for prostitution? My own auntie. Sorry, say that again. I arrested my own auntie and uh, they said to me, I said, I can't, I can't, I said, I can't. And Olive said, she was walking with me. And she said, why? I said, my auntie, that's why. Did she recognise you? Yes, she, we got into the station and uh, she, they said, what's her name? I said, named her off. And she said, your own flesh and blood. <laughs> so she's trying to shame you? Yeah. I said, sir, if you're right, you shouldn't be drunk anyway. <laughs> they accused her of being drunk and I said, looking for customers. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, my father, who is a, a former chief superintendent and knows you and um, remembers you in the job, and he still has great respect for Chief Commissioner Mick Miller. Now, what do you think of Mr Miller? I think he was the very last policewoman. Policeman, <laughs> not woman, no. <laughs> very last policeman who really was a policeman. He did everything the right way, was straight on, in or out as far as he was concerned. And I went, I had the cheek to one day go to him when I was working with uh, the people at the town hall and I'd been gone to, wasted my time going to a, a party or something they had and they were only swapping recipes and I didn't have any recipes to get swapped. So I said, oh, really, do you want me to waste my time swapping recipes? And Mr Miller said, oh, well, if you don't want to go, you needn't. <laughs> So Mick Miller and Mr Miller gave you the uh, leave pass? Yeah, yes. Yeah. He, 
he knew that, you know, I wouldn't complain unless I was really fed up with this swapping recipes. Women have got better things to do, surely. Surely they're more than that, yeah. And they weren't very good cooks anyway. Police women, we're talking about them, they used to be tasked with a lot of social welfare issues involving women and children and crimes like shoplifting. How did you, how did that go down with you, Lil? Oh, I'd just arrest them. uh, The worst time was when the Greeks first came in from the Little Islands and they were brought back to Australia. They were... Uh, sort of adopted in Australia and they were just a nuisance to us. They had a real fit about towels. They loved towels and they'd steal towels and put them under their coats and (laughs) away they'd go. And And I was the one who christened what, what I'm interested in is the fact that police women were given very limited um, roles to play. Did they, what, how did you view that? Yes, I think we could have done more. We should have been allowed to uh, do more in the policing part, whereas we were pulled back on that. Why do you think that was so? Why were police women's roles initially so limited? I think that the women uh, were a bit shy to come forward and put their, their ideas in, and therefore they were never they were never listened to. Uh, that was all. It makes me realise how significant it was for you to reach the role and the rank of inspector. How significant was that for you, Lil? It was quite a big step, actually. Um, I didn't think I'd ever make it, but I didn't think I'd I'd be promoted in time. (laughs) But uh, it, it all worked out that way. What did it personally mean to you to reach the rank of inspector? It was more pay. <laughs> but uh, just more respect, I suppose, as well from the other girls. What was your greatest career achievement, Lil? Well, actually becoming an inspector been given the the role that we had uh, just the the extra fact that we we were recognized and particularly at a time when I think there was only four women actually in the state that were inspectors so that was a very big deal yes it would be a big deal oh. yes and seemed to be there was only Miss Bribner liked to keep her part to herself <laughs> and um, she, we were overlooked if we were getting a bit more notice taken of us. Of her. We were brought out of that. What 
did it mean to reach the rank of officer in charge of women police? You know, what did you actually have to do in that role, Lil? Well, just drive around and do the diaries and make sure that they were all behaving themselves and doing what was wanted of them. That was all. Now, in this role, you were issued with a car. How did that go down with some of your colleagues? It went down very badly with some of the inspectors. <laughs> One in particular had the cheek to, to uh, confront Mr Miller and say, you made a mistake. And he said, why did I make a mistake? He said, oh, you've promoted Lily and O and I haven't got a car. Why she got a car? <laughs> and I, he said, well, Mr Miller said, well, how many accidents have you had in a police car? Oh, he said, one or two. And Mr Miller said, well, Miss Irwin hasn't had any and she can, she can keep the car. <laughs> Oh, that would have gone down badly. Yeah. He used to drive past. He'd start, he used to park across the road with the, from my home and I'd drive up in the car and put the, park the car outside. Mm. And then I'd go back and get a friend and he'd park his car in the, in the driveway and I'd put my car, car, the police car, behind him again. Oh! <laughs> because it was quite a long driveway, and he could keep the key. And he used to see me do that, and he'd go, he'd roar past our place in his little fort. <laughs> Here's bad luck. Now, you were often used for a VIP escort with some dignitaries, including some international dignitaries. Yeah. Do you remember who you used, who you, you escorted, Lil? Um, Duke and Duchess of Devonshire, who was the Duchess, was my father's cousin, but I didn't tell them that. <laughs> and uh, the, I looked like her, looked enough like her that they'd go to speak to me. And then I just realised it wasn't me, it was her. <laughs> Who else did you escort uh, in your time, Lil? Um, the Emboyers, Mr. Emboyer, Mr. and Mrs. Emboyer. And uh, I had, was up on Mount Dandenong and um, Mr. Emboyer was there and Mrs. Emboyer and... They were, they were both very nice people, but she looked terrific. And I had picked her up at, uh, in the city mm. at um, one of the better shops. And she wanted to go to Myers. I said, oh, you don't want to go to Myers, go here. It's much better. And I took her to, um, I can't think of the name of it, but, uh, but the um, shop... In, it was in Collins Street, which meant something. They were they were terrific people, very nice people. Mm. I wanted her to buy a, a dress. I said, you'd look wonderful in that. 
because she was very tall, wonderful carriage. I said, you look terrific in that, wouldn't you buy it? It was only about hundred bucks or something like that. And she says, oh my God, my husband would kill me. <laughs> Tell me, what is 24 years of policing? What has that taught you about people, Lil? They're all the same. All frightened that the husband won't like it. And were embarrassed when they, when they were brought out of their shells and had to do anything different. Yeah. They were quite embarrassed. How would you sum up your career? It was very interesting. Very, very interesting. What are the main changes in policing that you've seen and what do you think about those changes? Like, what do you think of the new uniform, the, the new police uniform? Oh, it should never have been like it is. <laughs> it wasn't wanted. It was better with the blue shirt, light blue shirt. I don't like the other ones. They're for lazy police who don't iron their shirts every week. <laughs> and... Um, the uniforms could be better, hmm. better designed. I wouldn't have had them. <laughs> what do you think about the uh, new, the fairly new, relatively new Chief Commissioner Shane Patton? What do you think of him? I don't really know him. I could have worked with his uh, mother before I joined, but I'm not sure that I did. Uh, I think I know who they were. Hmm. Uh, have you got any thoughts on the new, relatively new Chief Commissioner? He's got a lot to learn, <laughs> to, to catch up to Mr Miller. <laughs> what advice, Lil, would you give to today's police women? Keep going and enjoy yourself and don't forget that the other people, the ones you're dealing with, who they are and what they are. Can you say a bit more? What do you mean by that? They must recognise the fact that uh, they are who they are because of something they've done and that makes them important and they must remember that. What about your personal philosophy on life, Lil? You're now 94, nearly 95 years of age. Why, like, how do you credit your longevity? What do you credit that to? Scott's upbringing. <laughs> my, my aunt was Scotch woman and she cooked and worked, worked hard all the time. She was, she was a wonderful person. What about your personal sort of life practices? Is there anything that you think that you can attribute your longevity to? No, not really. Beer. <laughs> you like your beer? A beer occasionally, yes. Like every night. <laughs> Do you have a, a like, so you think uh, a beer every night has helped you? Yes, I do think it helped. <laughs> Lil, you're nearly 95. What what are you looking forward to now? What um, what are, what is something that you're looking forward to? Being a hundred. <laughs> I hope I make it. Whether I do or not, I don't know. It's out of my hands, isn't it? But I'd like to do it. 
love to be 100. I'm sure you will get to 100. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure for for me to sit with you on the crime couch today, Lil, and, and I really uh, I look forward to interviewing you when you reach 100. Thank you, Lil. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on the Crime Couch. 